Well, good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. And this program is meant to present nutritional information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent, competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. And I'm going to dispense with a bunch of the stuff and just say, uh, hit the, the <laughs> visit the website, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. Tons of information there. All the products we talk about are there. If you have any questions about anything, be sure and hit the contact me button, send an email or call and leave a message. We'll get back with you as quick as we can. Usually within a few hours, we'll do what we can to get your questions answered and get you on the right track. Also, uh, while you're there, hit the Radio Shows tab at the top of the page. You'll see the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm. Over 650 shows up there, all annotated as to what we talked about and shareable via email and social media, which we encourage you to do, and just have fun with them. Uh, scroll down a little further, you'll see the information about the shows we do, when they're on, how you listen, and then at the bottom of the page is a link to the Facebook page set up for show, as well as the channel on Telegram. Enjoy, uh, have fun with those things. The number to call into the show is 614-426-8787, 614-426-8787. One last time, 614-426-8787. And uh, let's see here. Keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on the show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Eurofolk Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say on the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. All righty then. Um, just got back home. <laughs> I was uh, at my... Uh, police retirees banquet or bank not banquet uh, breakfast breakfast slash lunch got home just in time to sit down and get on the air and i think the reason you weren't hearing anything for a little bit there is i still had a replay plugged in to the server and it wasn't sure what <laughs> whether i was doing it or it was doing it i think it was playing until i actually went live and connected to the server so there was a little hiccup there yesterday i don't know what happened i have three different recording uh, systems going to make sure that I always have a good recording of each show and normally my first one is the one that I go with and it works like a charm and for some reason two out of the three failed and thank goodness I have a little this new mixer I have has a uh, SD card attached or in it that I just before I start the bumper music I hit the record button and it records everything going through it and thank goodness it worked, because <laughs> otherwise I would not have a replay for yesterday's show or a copy of it. And I thought that was a really good show, so I wanted to make sure that one was there. But hopefully today's recordings will be back on track. Normally all three of them go through just fine, and two out of three crapped out on me yesterday. So <laughs> that being as it is, you know, we'll just uh, sally forth. Everything looks like it's working currently. Uh, we appear to be connected to the server. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see how things go. But uh, see, Rebecca's here. Uh, Rebecca, I got your email. And I'm not 100% positive about um, the uh, budesonide protocol, other than uh, from what I understand uh, from listening to a couple of interviews he's done, 
uh, one or two treatments a day if someone is uh, has COVID is what they've been doing. And um, I actually ordered mine through, uh, it was um, ReliableRxPharmacy.com. And uh, give me a second and I'll get a link and put it in the chat room for you. Um, at least I think I will. R-E-L-I. There we go. Um, there we go. And you, if you're doing budesonide, like I was saying yesterday, you need to make sure that you get the type that is, um, oh, what is it? Uh, let me just find them here real quick. B-U-D-E-S-O-N-I-D-E. You don't want the inhaler and you, you want respules, R-E-S-P-U-L-E-S. Those are the little containers of liquid, um, that are, they're like, they're not real big. But basically, they go into the um, nebulizer and it uh, vaporizes. It basically turns it into a super fine mist. And then you uh, use the little uh, face mask for it to breathe it in. And it goes into the deep lungs and gets down to where it needs to get. And that's one of the things that uh, I think his name is Richard Bartlett, if I remember right. Um, that's when he was saying the, uh, the inhalers don't really do the job. You need to do it in the... Um, respules along with the um, uh, nebulizer and good heavens <laughs> oh good they still have some there the ones i did i got it was 90 for 100 bucks that's a lot of treatments um and let me see if there's any more information on it it's called uh, budecort b-u-d-e-c-o-r-t and are half a milligram per two milliliters and um like I said, there's 90 respules, and those are the ones that you use along with the nebulizer. And uh, that's the one that I ordered, and, um, you know, should, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's what he was uh, recommending as well. So basically, that's the best I can tell you. I have not seen one of his interviews in quite a while, and I'm just going by memory as far as, I think he was doing like one or two treatments a day um, for people that were, you know, having very difficult time breathing and uh, that's the one thing this is budesonide is one of the things you just, you don't really use prophylactically per se um, you hang on to it you start out if, if you've got COVID um, you want to start out with either the, rem or the uh, ivermectin or um, hydroxychloroquine or other nutritional type things if it progresses to the point where you're having issues with breathing that's when the budesonide kicks in so hopefully um, that will do it. And I would imagine if you do a search just for his, you know, just type in uh, protocols for budesonide by Dr. So-and-so, I wouldn't be at all surprised if someone's got something in there <laughs> or, or somebody else has something that uh, is similar. But um, Hey, Jim. Yeah, go ahead. Have you heard of Dr. Chetty and the Eighth Day Protocol? No, I haven't. Enlighten me. <laughs> and and it's real interesting. And he has had patients, even if they had mild, but still by the eighth day weren't completely recovered and other patients that are bad. But he's saying at the eighth day, you're no longer dealing with COVID pneumonia. It is an hypersensitivity is what he's saying. So it's like a... um allergic reaction to the spike proteins in your lungs 
and he is using an antihistamine. That's where he his protocol, where the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, where they get so much stigma from it because they're off-label uses, where nothing here is off-label. You're using an antihistamine for a allergic reaction, um, corticosteroids. I don't know the difference between that and steroids, but whatever, for the inflammation and still the blood thinners. And hmm. I think that's his whole, but very, and he's having, like he, you have people going in with very low oxygen levels, you know, in the 80s. Right. And mm-hmm. within 24 hours, they're back up to 95 or better. Wow. Very, very good protocols. Hmm. And he has worked with Dr. McCullough and um, Rishk, I think is another one. Here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. It's, it's, it's very interesting. I've been looking at this stuff. I haven't listened to hardly any of the shows, even though I've been on here this week because my brother's in the hospital. Oh, sorry to hear that. Is it with COVID or something else? Yes. He oh, went in Friday evening. Well, Friday at like, so Saturday, one thirty in the morning, COVID pneumonia. They wanted to do the remdesivir. Mm-hmm. They denied no based on that's pretty much all we can do, but he needed to be on oxygen. They're having problem getting his oxygen to stabilize. So praying, 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 and his wife and his wife's not allowed to go in and see him. But at least they have, you know, the cell phones and can communicate there. And she has his nurse mm-hmm. calling her and going over things too. But praying, 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 and hearing other people that have used the remdesivir and it's helped. So then they decide, okay, we'll do it. But then his liver enzymes got elevated. Mm-hmm. So they says, based on that and, and how long you've had it, the remdesivir is not really a good choice. So talk about a yo-yo, you know, <laughs> sitting there praying and being so oh, distraught over what to do. And then they decide to do it. And then it's no. But then. Um, Have you requested ivermectin? Was, excuse me? Did, you, did they request ivermectin? They had said something about it, and it was actually, um, so I actually seen him Thursday mm-hmm. because he had been to the hospital Wednesday night because his home oxygen meter said his oxygen was down to like 93, so they went into the emergency room, but there at Red 95, and they just sent him home. I don't think they did an x-ray or anything, wow. so the next day... Because, you know, my daughter and her family had it, too. So they're all texting back and forth. How's every? And she says, I'm actually feeling better, but I got ivermectin. And so my sister-in-law instantly was like, you did? Where'd you get that? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm taking the horse kind. I got it from my mom. If he would be willing to try it, I'm sure she would take it over. And he said he was. So I ran it over to him. He got three doses in him before he ended up in the emergency room. Yeah. And and then he got the liver enzymes elevated, and I kind of panicked, you know. Oh my God, I hope I haven't hurt my brother, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But evidently, that's a pretty common side effect of that. And I've because that, like Sal's, I've been doing is reading, reading, reading. And another thing they found to help those liver enzymes and the liver and stuff is the NAC. Mm-hmm. 
But so he's now, and they had to put him. So then, then after all that, and they said, because of your liver enzymes being elevated and because you've had it for a while now, it's not really a protocol for you. But then his oxygen level started dropping more again. So he went on what was called full oxygen. Mm -hmm. And, and the protocol for when you have to go on full oxygen is the resdemivir. So if you're still game for that, So he is doing that, and he's doing better. So they've got him back on remdesivir? They, they, they went with that protocol. I think he's on like day three of that. They've actually taken him off the full oxygen today, back down to just the nasal. Do you know the difference between what that full oxygen means? Not the only thing I can think of is they'll, you know, if, if you're using a nasal cannulum and they have it hooked up to oxygen, you're basically getting a mix of the air in the room and um, the oxygen coming from the nasal cannula. But if they put like a face mask on you, then that basically is giving you full oxygen and you're that's not what I was thinking too. And I what they're doing that's what I'm thinking. I think that's a big one, but I think it's also maybe a higher concentration. It's possible. Usually, I think at the hospitals, whatever comes out of the green connection in the wall, that's pure oxygen. And I think what what they're doing probably is the difference between a nasal cannula and a, and a face mask. Is so it's actually it. a little more forced also with the face mask, right? Yeah, it's, it's a little more pressure getting in because, you know, you don't have the... It's basically sealing around your face, so it's getting just the oxygen and not the mix from the room. Yeah, if it's me, I would say, um, number one, I would I would request or almost demand either ivermectin or IV vitamin C. That's something else that they can do. Uh, Kate Dolly from the Kate Dolly Show, uh, when her husband had COVID, somehow or another she got in and, and she demanded it. And they basically, that's what they used to get him out. And, and he was in ICU and within two or three days uh, of the IV vitamin C, he was out of ICU and on his way home. Uh, so that would be another thing to look at. Uh, if they balk on ivermectin uh, and they, if they sit, try to say it's not approved, then we've got the documents that, you know, that if you, if you don't have it, I can send it to you or I can put uh, it's on I have it. telegram. Channel. I have it. I have okay. it, and his wife also has it, Good. too, so Good. she knows that, but that's where it's like it's not FDA-approved. Neither is the vaccine was. It is FDA-approved, <laughs> and that's why I say, you know, if they try and say it's not, here's the document that says it's NIH, well, it's NIH-approved. It's right, it's number two after remdesivir, when it I should know, be number but one. but that's where it actually, when you read that, though, it doesn't actually say it says there's not enough evidence to support or or discourage but it's like clear but so how's come by you saying it's not fda approved that's discouraging it says there that you shouldn't if a patient requests it you should do it because there's not enough evidence which is bs but that's where i don't know they do all feel like because all, all the, the other things <laughs> they're just trying to get you on a protocol that'll kill you is what it boils down to um I'm that's where i'm kind of curious and i wish they could get in there to try to get him some of these antihistamines because a lot of the other things you know i know he's on steroids i know he's getting i'm gonna guess it's heparin he's getting an injection in his belly every day for the blood thinner um so steroids blood thinner those are all the protocol minus the antihistamine 
Good grief. Because that's where this guy also says when he does this antihistamine, like I said, even for mild cases, but they're not completely that long haul. He says mm -hmm. this prevents that, those yeah. carryover symptoms. The other thing, too, is um, according to Dr. Brian Artis, day five is the critical day as far as remdesivir goes. Usually it's by day five or shortly thereafter that they start getting the kidney failure with remdesivir. So uh, if it was me, I would say, okay, we'll go it, but we're stopping at day five. Not I'm going to tell you, that. Jim, and I have so many. Yep. And just like they were scared to death to try it. But my, I have an older brother and an oldest brother. And there's a lot of age difference. My, my older brother that's in there now is three years older than me. Mm -hmm. My oldest brother is 18 years older than me. Wow. Vietnam vet. He's in a nursing home just relatively recently really for rehab to get him more mobile and stuff mm -hmm. has a lot of health issues through the va going through the va and stuff so before he was going to go to a nursing home he got the jab. he ended up with covid in the nursing home that went through there and he was taken to a hospital and he don't even ask questions at this point. He's just like, do whatever, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I know he took the rum. He's like, I had some magic stuff for five days. And, and I mean, he's pretty much bedridden. Yeah. So you talk about probabilities for blood clots and all that. Right. And he did okay. So I'm just praying they'll all be okay. Yeah. Cause That's what more can I can do? do? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. That's why I was saying yesterday, the worst place in the world to go when you got this is a hospital because their protocols are designed to kill you and you're basically at their mercy because they refuse to let anybody else in. And that's absolute baloney. You're basically held hostage. Um, it's crazy. Absolute crazy. But, man, yeah, definitely praying for them. Gee whiz. Huh. I, uh... You have my sympathies. I'll tell you what. I just hope he gets out alive. You know, and that's the thing. I've had a couple of friends here from church that have ended up in there, and somehow or another, they managed to get out. And uh, one is home, and the other one's at a like a step down thing, getting her oxygen levels up. But uh, they managed to survive, and neither of them, I think, did the remdesivir. And uh, I think just um, I'm going to have to, if I get a chance, I'm going to ask them what else they did to them while they were there. Um, it would be interesting to find out. But, you know, IV vitamin C is something that they have the capability of and they're more likely to try. Um, but it's not... That's where I'm thinking they might with this uh, antihistamine too because, again, it's not an off-label. And it's like mm -hmm. if you're well, having a pulmonary... it depends on whether they'll believe that it's an allergic reaction or not. <laughs> yeah, because that's not part of their... sensitivity hypersensitivity to the spike protein yeah yeah <laughs> who knows maybe you know it's worth it it's worth a shot you know you, you, worst it's going to do is they're going to turn you down say no but uh, it is what it is rough times and it ain't going to get any better and the funny thing is is the the more time goes on the more uh, starkly obvious it becomes that the places that have the most, you know, the highest number of injected people also have the most people in the hospitals and the highest death rates. The places that have basically opened back up and stopped all this nonsense uh, 
are are pretty much back to normal. They're not having people sick. They're not having people in hospitals. Everything is, you know, going like smooth as can be. And, of course, nobody seems to figure that out, especially in the media. Um, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And there's no end in sight until everybody stands up and collectively says no. Now Western Australia is jumping on the bandwagon, says 75% of the workforce must get injected or else. Hey, Jim. Yes, sir. Dave, what's up? Hey, uh, so check this out. I got a friend, uh, he's a truck driver, Mm -hmm. and he had to come home to get his physical, and they're telling him that he said the doctor kept asking him if he had sleep apnea, and he said no. And he kept asking him, he said, do you snore? He said, no. <laughs> he said, I don't have any trouble sleeping. I'm fine. He goes, yeah, well, the shape of your mouth and the size of your neck, I don't believe you. You got, you got uh, sleep apnea. <laughs> he gave him a 90-day deal where it, he didn't approve his, his application or whatever for his CDL. You know, CDL. Uh, he gave him 90 days to get everything fixed. I don't know what everything else is. We just kind of, you know, start talking. But uh, he knows that it's it's a sham. Is he going to and, any other? Is he going to another doctor to straighten it out? Um, he he didn't yet. That's uh, one of the first just, things I do. Is I'd, I'd get a second opinion. Say, look, this idiot. Second opinion. Saying, you know, this dude's saying, I've got something that, A, he hasn't tested me for, so how is he diagnosing it just by the look of my mouth? Right, that's my what neck. I said. Did you do a sleep study? <laughs> I said, were you in a sleep study? He said, no. I'm like, well, that's the only way they can tell if you got it. And But guess what? Every single person that goes in that sleep study has it. Yeah. Because so it's a, it's another sham. Exactly. Hey you know, everything, it's a natural thing. You know, when you are, right. you know, when you're basically, when you're asleep, you're not needing as much oxygen and your body waits until CO2 builds up and then you start breathing again. It's a natural cause, a natural function. Anybody that goes through a sleep study is going to be diagnosed with, you know, a chronic obstructive sleep apnea, guaranteed. And, there you, go. you know, I, I did a sleep study back before I knew any better in 08 and According to them, I stopped breathing 642 times in less than eight hours, uh, up to a, up to an, a minute, as, uh, you know, the whole time. And he says a couple of times I was getting ready to come in and wake you up, and just as you, I was coming in the door, you start breathing. I said, "Yeah, I wonder why." Oh my God! Because and that's you a didn't natural die? occurrence. What's that? What's and you that? didn't die? No. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. That's the way it always is. When you need to start breathing, you start breathing. (laughs) You know, of course, like I said, at the time, I didn't know any better. So I was on a CPAP for like five years. But then I started listening to Doc. And when I got on board with Longevity, I stopped doing the CPAP. And I've been fine. I haven't died or anything in my sleep yet that I know of. (laughs) No, I I do snore. My wife says I snore. But, you know, big deal. Yeah. you know, I haven't died in my sleep. That. What was that? Was that Brent? Yeah, they've been trying that crap over here in Las Vegas. Uh, some of the concentras and some of the other big places. And one company I worked for, they just quit going to that do- that facility. Mm-hmm. I-, I hope it wrecked their business model real good. And, um, you know, they're just trying to pull crap, you know, to make more money. 
Yeah. And I'll tell you what, sleep apnea is, uh, whoever came up with that idea is a genius. You know, something everybody has naturally, and we'll make a disease out of it and come up with these little machines to blow air up your snout all night long, dry your head out. Um, it's amazing. And uh, that was an enterprising young shyster there. <laughs> and they, they, they developed quite the uh, storyline to go along with it. Uh, but bottom line is it's natural. It's something that everybody has, everybody does. And people don't die from heart attacks, from sleep apnea, and all this other crap that they claim. It's all BS. But, you know, it is what it is. It's, uh, you know, that's the whole idea behind all this stupid is just to make billions of dollars for the American Murder Association and uh, and keep you sick, keep you on the hook. You know, if they any way they can to get you into the office every six months for a checkup and to put you on more drugs and everything else so that they've got you from cradle to grave. Uh, healthiest people out there are the ones that don't go to doctors. And I haven't been to one in good grief. It's probably been 15 years, and that was for a broken arm. <laughs> and uh, he did a good you, job, but I, I still question whether I really needed to have surgery and have pins put in, but again didn't know any better at that point that was 2001 and uh or two yeah september 25th of 2002 uh and let's see rebecca said my son my husband does have it i hear him stop breathing multiple times and gasp deeply for air used to shake him held his breath for a long time yeah but he started breathing again didn't he he hasn't died <laughs> you know everybody has it that's what I'm trying to say. Everybody has. It's a naturally occurring feature. You know, when you're sleeping, that's when you need the least amount of oxygen. And your body will just, you'll, you'll lay there. And when, when enough carbon dioxide builds up, that's when you take another breath. And that's what's going on. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I know a lot of people are on CPAPs. It's un unbelievable. You know, well, guaranteed. You know, people, when you get, you hit uh, between 50 and 60, sooner or later, if you're going to an MD, they're going to recommend a sleep study. And you're going to go in, and next thing you know, you're going to end up on a CPAP. Somebody... Uh, so I can finally pitch mine, huh? It's up to you. Get on the 90 nutrients <laughs> first. <laughs> well, I've been on it for a long time. I've Good. just been wasting my time using it. Yeah. My wife, she kept me, she'd see me like that all the time, and... So she's worried about me. Now that's because we're ignorant about that. So um, enlighten me anymore, you know. Well, that's basically it, you know, as far, as far as what Dr. Wallach says. And I'm I'm trying to remember which one of his recordings he actually talks about sleep apnea. But it's um, it may just be one of the radio shows that I that I happen to be listening to where people would call in and ask about it. But basically, it's a natural function. Your body, when you're, you know, it's the same as when you are awake. You know, your, your respiration rate is based on oxygen levels and carbon dioxide levels. And when your CO2 level builds up, that's when you're going to take a breath. And the same thing happens at night. It's just that you don't need as much O2 because you're sleeping, you're resting. It's, you know, I mean, you're at the lo you know, lowest functional state, for most people anyway, uh, of the day. So it takes longer for the CO2 to build up to a point where you need to take another breath and keep going. And, 
a lot of times if you're you know when you're laying back you know it could be it sounds like a gasp because the the little flap in the back there in the throat whatever they call it um will block things and that kind of stuff and that's why you snore but the thing is is you always start breathing uh i've never heard one valid com, you know claim that someone actually died from alleged sleep apnea you know people talk about it they say oh you could nobody ever has but they say you could <laughs> You know that's how they get you hooked, but um, you know I I will I will definitely say that you know if you snore a CPAP will stop you from snoring you know which is nice for the other person in the bedroom, um, but there are other things I've actually got something that appears to work for me. It's a little um, device that straps to my wrist and it senses the sounds of snoring and if you start to snore it gives you a little shock so to speak. You know, and you can dial the level up on the thing. So basically it's enough. It doesn't wake you up, but it gets you to turn over and move and, you know, take, get a different position so you don't snore. And um, uses a little AAA battery. I have to replace it once every week or two. Um, but it does the job, it seems. And um, I've, I, you can buy them for like, you know, 20, 25 bucks. Uh, and it doesn't, it, you're not strapped to it. Because I can remember the times when, once I started using that CPAP and I was stuck with it, when, like, if the power went out and that thing stopped, it was like, oh, good grief, you know. I felt it was just the strangest feeling. I can't breathe, you know, it, you're so, it, you get so attached to it that if there's no power and the thing isn't running, you can't figure out what to do. But then once I finally got off the stupid thing, it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, it's not like it's it's liberating <laughs> and uh i'm trying to remember the name of the thing i actually saw it i believe on facebook of all places and for the life of me i can't remember the name um i'll have to see if i can do some digging if i can find the uh, website for it uh i know it's on now, my computer downstairs is that roger that or robert about, yeah what'd you say about carbon dioxide your body you know your when you're when you're breathing carbon dioxide is built it builds up and that's when you you exhale and you inhale more fresh air and at night you have less need for oxygen because you're you know it's super rest state so it takes longer for the carbon dioxide to build up build up so that you're you know need to take another breath and that's basically what's going on with sleep apnea allegedly you know People are just surprised that you can hold your breath that long is what it boils down to. It's not really holding your breath. It's just you don't need it. And then when you do, uh, you automatically will start breathing again. You just, you just take a deep, a deep breath and off you go. And that's um, what they define as sleep apnea is just, you know, the natural occurrence of lower need for oxygen. So the longer space you have between breaths. And they say you stopped breathing when all you did was you were still breathing. You know, you just, you know, didn't need a breath yet. And when you did need one, you took it, is all it boils down to. So it's just a money grab, in other words. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Every single person, every animal, every vertebrate has sleep apnea. Every single creature, hey, when it lays down at night and goes to sleep, it needs less oxygen. Yeah. Who was that? <laughs> So there's a, a great resource for Doc's radio show. If you go to uh, on the computer, type in doc. Um, 
doc.ksco.com. And then there's a search there. And if you type in sleep apnea, every show for the last 10 years that he's done, uh, or anybody that's called in and asked about sleep apnea, every one of those programs will come up and you can listen to them. You can download them. You can email them. It's really a great, incredible resource. So, yeah, Doc has, you know, they, they had to, um, they had another site that was for distributors that you could do as a, a replicated thing. Anybody in uh, George Norrie's downline could get it. And I had one for a while. I don't even know if I still do or not. It's been so long since I've checked it. But they used to have all the recordings there. And then a few years ago, because of compliance issues, they erased them all and started from scratch. And wow. uh, because Doc was, uh, you know, he would say certain things that were, you know, not compliant. Not FDA compliant. <laughs> right, exactly. And they were afraid that they would have problems, so they had to wait, and they basically started, you know, getting them to be better oh, yeah. about <laughs> how we said and things. And Dwelling may have done the same thing, because now that you mention that, he now, you know, he came up with a, with a, uh, a disclaimer before each show, uh, probably about that same time. Yeah, yeah. So, and that main, and I haven't been to that website in a long time, that doc.ksco.com. So, yeah, I don't know it what's was there a really good it. resource. And then all of yeah. a sudden, there was nothing there. But by now, it's been several years now since they did that. So, hopefully, it has built back up. Um, yeah. But yeah, they used to have a, just a wealth of information. Um, yeah, 10 years worth of programming was, or broadcasting was there, you know, in them archives. So, well, here's one that I just found on YouTube, uh, Sleep Apnea and Doc Wallach. Um, let me play this. Okay, I'll mute. Thank you. Sleep disorders are a, a mix of problems. Um, insomnia is actually due to mineral deficiencies. Uh, you take uh, all 90 essential nutrients, 60 minerals. You take 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 essential amino acids, 3 essential fatty acids, and sleep comes easy. You can take a ounce of our liquid OsuFX Plus before bedtime and ensure a good night's sleep. Sleep apnea is a normal procedure. Look at a newborn baby, they have sleep apnea. You look at a dog sleep, you look at an elephant sleep, you look at a giraffe sleep. Every vertebrate has sleep apnea. It's an absolutely normal um, behavior. Uh, medical system, for financial purposes, has turned this into a disease. With CPAP machines and Can't hear anything, Jim. Uh, it's absolutely criminal. Uh, there is no such thing as people That's dying weird. of sleep apnea or snoring. The only time you're going to die. Let from me stop it here, and I'll figure sleeping. out what's going on, and see what. I don't know why. Everything appears to be working the way it's supposed to. Maybe there's a another glitch. <laughs> Let's see. Which browser was I using there? Yep, right browser. That should be working. Hmm. Strange. Everything's looking like it should be coming through just fine. Don't know what the problem is. You guys weren't hearing anything on Jitsi? Well, I'm on the phone no. line. I didn't oh. hear anything coming over that. I didn't hear anything either. I didn't hear anything either. Nothing Not on Jitsi, nothing on the phone. Huh. No. That's weird because the phone line is Jitsi. So, yeah, Dave, you should have heard it too. Um, let me make sure 
The feed to Jitsi is going the way it should. I'm coming through. Shows the audio sources are hooked up. That's weird. Everything is... Oh, wait a minute. Nope, that's Did you working. mute it? Did you uh, mute it? No. And I've got that set right. That's weird. And that's the trouble with this. You know, I've got so many different connections for Jitsi and Skype and all the different things. That trying to figure out if something ain't working, figuring out where the connection is that's causing it is a royal pain. <laughs> but, um, yeah, everything is doing what it's supposed to do. Huh. Not sure what's going on. Uh, but whoever's eating or crunching or whatever in the background, it's very annoying. <laughs> Sorry about that, Jim. Oh, it's life in a big city, you know. It's easy to forget once you unmute and then start doing other things. You know, the, the microphones on our equipment anymore are very, very sensitive. And it's amazing the things they pick up. What You just don't even think about it sometimes. But... Um, well, this is weird. I don't know why. Audio sources, everything looks good. Hmm. Very strange. And my recorder, it's doing what it's supposed to. Hopefully I'll have a good recording today. Huh. And because the issue is what's going to Jitsi. And, what are you using for a recorder? Um, I've got a couple of different. I have one called, uh, well, Butt, that streams to the um, server records. And then I have another program called Audio Hijack that records everything in my computer, um, all the uh, uh, system audio. And I can select every program that feeds to it, and it records whatever I put into it. And then, of course, my mixer has a built-in system that anything goes through it records. So, well, thank goodness that all one out of the three worked yesterday. Normally, all three of them work just fine. I don't know what happened yesterday. I'm going to start this up again and see, watch everything and make sure, see what it's, the meters are doing here. But uh, here we go. It's starting... Sleep disorders are a, a mix of problems. Um, insomnia is actually due to mineral deficiencies. Uh, you take uh, all... Okay. Anybody hear any of that? Because basically you're saying sleep, uh, sleep nope. disorders. Nope. Nope. It's weird because nope. it, everything's... The, the feeds are all good. The meters are showing activity. And... I don't see anything saying that it should be blocked. Let me check a couple other things here real quick. Okay, that's right. Uh, Jitsi. Should we see. go to Vero Folk and check it? Well, no, that's... I am just did that. Ah, there's the problem. Jitsi settings changed on me. Little stinker. <laughs> I check it every single day except today. And it's always good until the day I don't check it, it changed on me. There we go. That should solve it. 
Let's try this again. I bet you anything you're going to hear it now. Here we go. Sleep disorders are a, a mix of problems. Um, insomnia is actually due to mineral deficiencies. Uh, you take uh, all 90 essential nutrients, 60 minerals, you take 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 essential amino acids, 3 essential fatty acids, and sleep comes easy. You can take an ounce of our liquid OsteoFX Plus before bedtime and ensure a good night's sleep. Sleep apnea is a normal procedure. Look at a newborn baby, they have sleep apnea. You look at a dog's sleep, you look at an elephant's sleep, you look at a giraffe's sleep. Every vertebrate has sleep apnea. It's an absolutely normal um, behavior. Uh, medical system, for financial purposes, has turned this into a disease. With CPAP machines and surgeries, uh, it's absolutely criminal. Uh, there is no such thing as people dying of sleep apnea or snoring. The only time you're going to die from snoring and sleep apnea is when your sleep partner shoots you. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he always ends with. <laughs> so it got through this time, didn't it? Hello, hey. welcome to the UT. Anyway, <laughs> I'm assuming it got through this time. Otherwise, people would have been yelling. Uh, I think that's what the problem was. It just, you know, the settings in Jitsi, um, normally the feed that goes for that is set one way and it changed to a different thing and it messed everything up. So thank goodness we figured that problem out. But, um, yeah, sleep apnea, non-issue. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, it's, you know, snoring is not an issue or that kind of thing because, yeah, you know, people do snore and, but it's not a big bad voodoo daddy like uh, the doctors try and make it into so they can make more money off you. You're not going to die from sleep apnea. You know, you may not sleep as well. You may get up a few times at night to go to the bathroom or something, um, but it ain't going to kill you. Unless, of course, you're snoring so bad that your partner shoots you, like Doc says. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. But anyway, there you have it. Hope we uh, put that one to bed, so to speak. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, don't go to hospitals. Avoid that stuff like a plague. Um, and that's, that's why I'm saying, you know, at, at this point, having the stuff that you need to take care of the issues at home um, is a much better plan, I think, than uh, that kind of thing. Ah, tips for strep. Ooh, avoid the hospital. <laughs> and they're going to try antibiotics. Colloidal silver is probably your best bet in this case. Uh, Longevity has a product called... Um, Oh, good grief, what's it called? <laughs> Killer Biotic, which is a natural um, antimicrobial type thing that works real well for this kind of stuff. But quite honestly, if you have access to colloidal silver, either a homebrew generator or stuff that you've gotten at the local health food store or Amazon or whatnot, uh, gargling two to three times a day um, and, you know, just gargle and swallow. You know, colloidal silver, anytime it goes in your mouth, it should go right down the gullet. There's no reason to spit it out. Um, you know, it, that way it will go and help other places. Um, but uh, that, uh, gargling with warm salt water, uh, those are primary things. And, you know, staying away, you know, that's, that's really the biggest you know, thing I've ever seen 
Um, and colloidal silver is a, a fantastic, um, you know, for all kinds of stuff. You know, pink eye, conjunctivitis. You know, I've had people I, that used to go through our school from time to time. Every One kid would get it, next thing you know, two or three or four or ten have it. And people were going to the doctors and all this stuff. And I said, here, here's a bottle of colloidal silver, you know. Put a couple of drops in each eye, you know, two or three times a day, and in 24 hours, it's gone. And this is all my, my homebrew stuff. I make it myself. Um, works great. And it's a whole lot cheaper. You know, when you pay 30 bucks for a four-ounce bottle, uh, you got to be kind of sparing as to how you use it. But when you can make it for less than the cost of the water, <laughs> basically, uh, you can tend to use as much as you want. And I've consumed up to a half gallon a day. Um, haven't turned purple or anything like that. You know, they talk, you know, Argyria is always the big thing they try and scare people with, um, which is not from colloidal silver. It's from heavier, uh, larger molecules, silver ions, silver salts, uh, that cause that kind of thing. But to my knowledge, there's never been a completely documented case of somebody getting Argyria from colloidal silver. And quite honestly, if, if it was possible, I would have it because I have used that stuff so much <laughs> over the years that if it was, to, if you could turn blue from it, I would have, uh, still waiting for that how to video. <laughs> oh, good grief. Uh, I'm just not good at making videos of things. Um, I, I do videos of other stuff, you know, but I, I've never done a how to video. I uh, might have to break down one of these days. I have the equipment, just never get around to doing it. And it's it's not hard. I have how-to uh, paperwork that basically tells you how to do it. It's very simple. Um, one of the reasons I've never bothered with doing a how-to video for colloidal silver is there's really no reason to. Get yourself a Pyrex, a 16-ounce Pyrex mix, mixing uh, uh you know, pitcher type thing, those things that has a handle on the side, whatever, a measuring cup, uh, fill it with room temperature, reverse osmosis water, um, and then four 9-volt batteries wired in series to produce 36 volts. You can do it as simply as snapping the batteries together, positive to negative, positive to negative, so that when you're done, you have four batteries connected, and on one end, you've got a positive connector, on the other end, you got a negative. I have, that's my field expedient or travel kit where I just have four batteries, I snap them together, then I have, you can either, uh, what I did was I went to Radio Shack, when you can find one, and got the 9-volt battery connectors, and of course you need two of them for this, one, you know, and basically you have to make sure that you get the right, you know, positive is going to be the red one, and, you know, negative is the black one, and you got to make sure they're clipped on the right ones, and uh, a, um, alligator clip on each one of those things so that you have two leads a red one and a black one and then you get two 12 gauge pure silver wires not not uh, not plated not sterling but pure uh, 0.999 fine and uh, six inches long is perfect you just basically bend about a half an inch of it on the end on one end so that it hangs over the side of your cup you hang them across from each other so that they're not touching, but they're they're opposite each other in the water. You click the clip uh, positive to one, the negative to the other, and give it 10 minutes at room temperature. And boom, <laughs> you'll see a little fine mist coming off of one side. That, that's the silver. And you'll see little teeny tiny bubbles and coming off the other, and that's hydrogen. 
And basically, you know, in, in 10 minutes at room temperature, that will give you a solution of about 5 to 10 parts per million. And um, that is perfect for virtually anything you want. It, everything needs to be done in glass or wood. No metal, no plastic, uh, because the stuff will plate uh, to the plastic and uh, the metal messes up the um, electrical charge. But and then you store it in a brown glass bottle or an amber bottle, and at room temperature, don't refrigerate it. Use it up within two weeks. If not, pour it out and make a new batch because it's so cheap you can do that. And that's that's what I have been doing since 1996. And even though I have some of the fancy stuff, I have not uh, had to use any of it. I just use the my home brew, and it works great for virtually everything. So somebody's mic is open in the background. Did you want to talk? Yeah, it's Doug. How are you? Okay, Doug. What's up? Well, you you mentioned uh, conjunctivitis. Mm-hmm. Pink when eye. I was uh, go ahead. Yeah, pink eye. Mm-hmm. Well, this was more than that uh, for me, because every day I would wake up and. When it was diagnosed after, you know, a long time, it was called conjunctivitis. And there was, what would happen is, I would wake up in the morning, and there would be a, well, my eyelashes were basically super glued together. And... My uh, mother would take a toothpick and take this stuff off. It, I mean, I was it was totally across my eyelids. So I couldn't even open my eyes. They were like glued. And they took me to doctors and they, they said it's conjunctivitis. And the main point I want to make here was that what they determined that it was a vitamin uh, vitamin D, uh, B deficiency. So my parents gave me more vitamin B mm-hmm. and that cleared it up. How long did it take? I don't really remember. I was like yeah. seven or eight or nine or yeah. ten, some somewhere around then. Yeah, that's basically an inflammation and infection of the transparent membrane of the eye, which is called the junctiva or conjunctiva. Oh. And basically, it's an infection. <laughs> and it's yeah. uh, it spreads very easily. You know, you rub your eyes, you shake hands with somebody, they rub their eyes, boom, they got it. Uh, at least it seems that way. And, uh, you know, I've never seen anything that the MDs have hold a candle to colloidal silver. Usually one or two treatments, you know, couple of drops a couple of times a day and in 24 hours it's gone um well this was a thick crust yeah basically uh, you get a you get a discharge that basically comes out yeah. and builds up on and dries it's it's yeah but it's it's that's just a, a byproduct of the infection or the inflammation mm-hmm. or, or i don't know maybe even an excess of minerals which i doubt well that, it's, but... it's it's the stuff it's it's the excess tears that the eye is putting out which is yeah. basically saline solution and well this was so thick that my mother used to take a toothpick every morning 
and go, you know, in between each eyelash and peel that all off. Wow. I don't know what they used. I don't know if they used a saline solution after that. But after going, I, I think it was, well, at least a year. Mm. It might have been more. Wow. But uh, apparently they had me tested and they determined it was caused by a vitamin B deficiency. I don't know which vitamin B it was, but I just wanted to add that to the conversation. Yeah. But once I started getting whatever vitamin B they gave me, mm -hmm. that just cleared up. And I've never had that problem again. But my eyes would be glued shut right. by this crust. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a discharge. Yowzer. Okay. No thanks. fun. <laughs> no fun at all. Yeah. And uh, could be. You know, it wouldn't surprise me it's a, de a deficiency. Uh, but it depends on what, you know, and I'm, I'm at the same time, it's entirely possible that um, a number of people, you know, you would have different things that, you know, cause it um, an inflammation or an infection. And it just manifests as redness, itchiness, so they automatically call it conjunctivitis when it might or might not actually be that particular thing. But uh, all I know is colloidal silver works fantastic to get rid of this stuff. Um, but at the same time, again, this is the, the beauty of the MDs. you got a vitamin B deficiency. We won't tell you which one, but, you know... You must be okay of the other 99, or the other, excuse me, the other 89, but the uh, the one that you're missing, that's the one that got you. I don't think so. Um, it just helped. There's no doubt. So anyway, um, looking to see here. FDA approves vaccine atrocities against innocent children. October 27th, FDA endorses murderous vaccine atrocities. God's wrath will show no mercy. Yowza. It's going to get ugly. And the the stuff that's coming down the pike between all these, you know, kids getting injected, you know, if the number of kids that, you know, the, the 12 and up that have had the um, myocarditis, pericarditis, all the things that are going along, uh, you know, teenagers having heart attacks wait until they start putting in the five to 12 year olds it's going to get downright ugly and these parents that willingly bring their kids to get these injections shame on them you know for a disease that has a 99.97 percent survival rate for the people that are apt to get it and kids not so much. I mean, they don't get it at all, for the most part. Um, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a single death documented, you know, properly documented of anybody under 18 uh, who didn't have um, comorbidities that probably are what killed them. They might have died with COVID, but not from it. And uh, to sit there and say that these kids need to get these things and stupid parents willing to roll up their kids' sleeves for it. There's something wrong with these people. 
And uh, just like I've heard on a few other shows, I've been singing it all along myself. You know, it's just a matter of time. People that have lost their jobs uh, as a result of refusing to take these injections, just wait a while. People will be begging you to come back, especially police, police, firefighters, EMS, you know, alleged healthcare workers, the the symptom suppressant and disease management people. Um, You'll have a job. It'll just take a while until all these people that were stupid enough to get the shots die off. And then they're going to be begging for folks to come back. But uh, hopefully we'll still have a society by then. That's the biggest problem. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen if they don't get this uh, supply chain issue under control. And they have no desire to because that's all part of the problem. They're designing the collapse of society. And they're trying to push it so that it happens. And if they succeed, it's going to get ugly. That's all I can say. Make sure you got your storable food and precious metals. (laughs) Blue steel. uh, Stainless steel. Brass. Lead. All that good stuff. Because otherwise, you need to uh, keep things on track. Operation Warp Speed. Just the caves in Colorado. Oh, what's that? Say that again. Just head for the caves in Colorado. That's where they'll be. (laughs) Or somewhere. Down in Kentucky. A couple grenades down there might do the trick. Okay. That's one thing I don't have yet. I need some grenades. (laughs) Oh, boy. And by the way, Leon, I I didn't get an email from you yesterday. I'm waiting to send you those uh, forms. But uh, whenever you get a chance, uh, get those out to me. I was going to talk to you about them, but I didn't want to bug you. I don't know what's happening. Uh, I might send you another email list I got on start page. Maybe they'll take it if it's that big. Yeah, because it's, it's not that big a file. I mean, the whole email probably was maybe not even 10 megabytes, if that. And, uh, something yeah, well, it should have come. Yeah, it should have gone through. And I don't know why it wasn't, but uh, there was an issue that caused it to hang up. But I can try and well, reset it again. My wife says these. These electronic contraption, we have to deal with these. Yep. What's wrong with reading a book? Yeah. <laughs> they're a real blessing when they work, and they're a real pain in the butt when they don't. That's what it boils down to. It's simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, the more the more sophisticated they become, the more apt to failure they become. And it, it gets to be a pain. But uh, I'll try resetting it set- and see what happens. I'm trying to set up getting a... Starting my business with Tom's uh, air purifiers. Oh, cool! And uh, my problem is I got to deal with the manufacturer, and I might get in touch with you on how to set this thing up because of this. Oh, they want the I nine. They want the Washington exemption. They want this. They want that because they're in the matrix, you know. <laughs> Good. So grief. I got to figure out what to do. You're not I need working your help for them. <laughs> You know, that's a strange, you know, if you're like an independent contractor, they shouldn't need any of that stuff, especially if it's just the manufacturer. You know, there no, shouldn't be any different than you placing an order or anyone else and send it to me, you know. But hard telling. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. They say they want to they do a 1099 at the end of the year, and there I go, 
got to play that game again. So. Oh. I have well, no I idea why a manufacturer would be doing that. You're not working for them. You know, you're just buying the things. Well, I just have to tell them that to say, hey, I'm just a customer as far as you're concerned. You don't exactly. need 1099 from me. Exactly. And you don't need to be sending one to the IRS. Exactly. You know, you're not an employee. You're not a subcontractor. You're just someone who's buying what they're making. So if you want to sell the mm -hmm. things to me, then I'll buy them. If you're going to require all this other crap, then I won't buy them. You know, your choice. Uh, yeah, well, i got to do some more sweet talking, I guess, and get it done. Yeah, that's just that doesn't make any sense. I mean, that doesn't no. even comply with the IRS regulations, from what I can tell. Hey, Jim, if yeah, I may, what, what about Longevity? Uh, because they, they want me to fill out an I-9 as well, and everybody else in my downline. <sighs> Have they contacted you? Well, I've got my, I'm signed up under my ministry. So basically, okay. when I when I signed up, they got no social security number. I gave them the EIN for my ministry, and I sent them a copy gotcha. of the uh, incorporation papers and showed, you know, told them it was non-taxable, and I haven't had any problems since. So I get 100% and okay. they don't send anything to the government. That's the way I do all my Yeah, well, they, stuff. they've had my, all of our socials, and now they're coming up with this thing that they're saying they have to have this I-9 or we're not getting paid. And we've been filing for years. You know, they've been sending a 1099, and now they're saying they, you know, they don't have this information. It's crazy. So it's, it's pretty, uh, doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, upset about it yeah it's a pain in the butt because they keep doing all this stuff and have have you filed your affidavit yet i have not okay. i'm good we're working on it yeah if you get that done then you can basically say look i'm not a u.s citizen therefore i'm not required to file an i-9 if anything a w-8 would be the proper one it's a certificate of foreign status and uh, okay that would be the way to go um, as an okay. individual. Do I have to put the, the IRS on notice first? It wouldn't hurt. Um, the thing, you gotta, you gotta file it with the Secretary of State first. Once you've got your passport, then you could say, you could send a, a copy of it to the IRS with a notice, you know, first off, notice the agents, notice the principal, notice principals, notice the agent, not to be construed as a filing. And then put in there, just right. please put this in my file. Um, and basically, it's on file with the Secretary of State. If you have any questions, refer to them. <laughs> and that's Can you email me that? Can you email that to me? What, the statement that I just said? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose. I'll try and remember to do that sometime. And in the now, next... so isn't it the, it's the State Department, not the Secretary of State, is that right? Well, the Secretary of State runs the State Department. And basically, you're, you're so sending... when I when we send in our affidavits with our passport renewal mm -hmm. um, and the cover letter, would we we have to also notify the 
the Secretary of State? No, no. When you send it to the State Department, the the place where they process passports, you are effectively notifying the Secretary of State because they're they're the age or the they're the they're the principal, and you're sending it to an agent who's processing your passport. So that's basically covered that. And then you just basically put it on file. It's either on file with the Secretary of State or the State Department. You could do it either way. Um, Essentially the same thing. And uh, that would go to the IRS just letting them know that, you know, here's the story. And you are a U.S. national, not a U.S. citizen. And as such, you you have no um, responsibility for Internal Revenue Code taxes with the exception of 871A and 877B or whatever it is. Again, double-check. I'd have to double-check. I I can't remember the actual numbers, but Roger's got them memorized. (laughs) Okay, yeah, and if you could... That, I don't. I don't know how to check that. If you could send me that in an email, that way, you know we got our our bases covered, and then we can just get all that done. Yeah, I'll try and remember to get that to you. It may take me a bit because I'm I'm running like a head with my chicken cut off, trying to get everything I got to do done I before I leave for vacation Friday. I, I but uh, I might uh, have some time on with my wife in bed. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm leaving again. <laughs> it's only been a, a little over a year since my last one. <laughs> Last September. Every time we talk, you're going on vacation. Where are you going? We just don't talk that much. (laughs) I'm going to the Smokies. I know. Going down to Gatlinburg. You go every year, don't you? We do now that we can't go to Hawaii. (laughs) Used to go every other year. We'd either be in the Smokies Ah. on off years and Hawaii on even years. And then uh, COVID came and, you know, the airlines and the state of Hawaii lost their adult leadership. And that was the end of that. So we're getting right. rid of all our timeshares and being done with all that stuff. And uh, so I have a pure trust. A common law pure trust. I pure have a pure law. trust. Okay. Pardon me. And, and Is it a common law pure the trust? The guy who wrote it said I can use that number as my TIN number. Theoretically, yeah, you could. Um, I don't see why not. Um, Or basically, you just sign the business, any of your businesses, you just sign up under the trust, not as an individual. They're in the trust. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. All righty. All right, I'm going to mute and walk on the treadmill. I could use some help in that regard, too. I mean, I've had stuff in the past, but I want to see how it's been updated and revised. What's that now? Oh, you know, the trust and the sole corporation and everything else. Yeah, I have a corporation sole that I've been using since 2004, and it's worked wonderfully for me. Um, I plan eventually to do some pure common law trusts. And if you're going to do a trust, that's the way to do it. Uh, If you do statutory trust, the only thing the government has to do to break the trust is change the statute. You know, pure common law trust is what the big boys, the Kennedys, the Rockefellers, that's what they have. Uh, there's a story about John F. Kennedy when he was in the in the White House. He had a cat, and somebody came and visited them, and the cat scratched him, and they sued. And cat was in the trust, and all they got was the cat. <laughs> Talk about insult to injury. <laughs> um, but that's how the big. Is there boys a book do on it. that? Um, I actually heard that 
Oh, it's been over 20 years ago. I was at a uh, uh, yeah, seminar on trust, and the guy, that was the story that the guy conducting the seminar told. Uh, I'm just going from memory. But um, it's my understanding that that's what the big boys use, pure common law trusts, which are, you know, just that. They're written on common law. It's a private contract, and it's protected under Article One, Section 10 of the Constitution, the right of, you know, contracts and that kind of thing. And, uh, but you're getting the EIN number from the government. You can, if you want. Um, it helps because if you're going to do banking and stuff, you're using it in the system. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can have an EIN for it. But that doesn't mean that it's, you know, subject to all the government rules and regulations that statutory trusts are. You know, you just have it, you know, basically I have an EIN for my corporation sole, but it's a non-reporting number. The only thing I use it for is banking purposes. I have never filed an internal revenue form uh, other than the application for the EIN. And like I said, I've been using it since 2004 and uh, works great. Yeah, because I... Well, what's, the hassle, what's the hassle with the, the banks to get it started? It seems like mine and... Of course, everything changed in my life about the time I had the corporate soul, and they wanted all kinds of paperwork and everything else under the sun. The bank did. <laughs> I gave them. What did my, you have uh, to do? I gave them the first, you know, the the, the first page and the and the signature page of the articles of incorporation, and I gave them a W eight, if I remember right, and uh, copy the EIN, and that was it. And uh, they okay. haven't asked me for anything else over the years. Uh, of course, now at post 9/11, you know, the farther we get from that, the more, you know, the more they go. Once you're in, once you've got your foot in the door, so to speak, it seems like it. Uh, they leave you alone. You know, I haven't had. I've been using the same banks, and uh, I haven't had any problems whatsoever. But uh, you know, it's different, different areas, different banks. They all have their own little idiosyncrasies and rules and. They try anything they can to get you to jump through all their hoops. Um, but I've been lucky or blessed. I'm not sure which. I just go in and say, what do you need that for? <laughs> and uh, I've been dealing with the same people at the same bank since 1999, and that helps. Um, I actually, uh, when I, I got rid of my Social Security number in 99, before I knew any better. And um, basically, I went to... Uh, I just opened up the phone book and started calling banks in my neighborhood. And the first one I called, I, I called him and says, uh, I want to open up a non-interest bearing account. I don't have a social security number. I can give you a W-8. Is that okay? Sure. Come on in. I was in and out in 15 minutes. Brand new account, debit cards and everything. No questions asked. No social security number, nothing. And that was in 1999. And I've been dealing with the same people, the same uh, lady, Tracy, ever since, and haven't had any problems. And then I went in. Is it W-8 online or what? Uh, Back then, uh, what did I do? I think I downloaded the W-8, yeah, and uh, just filled it out and took it in. You know, back then it was just the flat W-8. It was not the W-8-B-E-N, which is what they have now. Um, The W-8... It said right on top, Certificate of Foreign Status. I'm not even sure if they still have that particular version. Um, but that's what I used back then because that's what you are. If you didn't have a Social Security number, you were foreign to the government. And uh, they took it with no problem. 
Like I said, today it would be a whole different story because of all the stupid crap they've put in place since 9-11. But I set my uh, uh, corporation soul up and opened the accounts for it in 2004, which was post-9-11, and I haven't had any trouble with those either. And I've got uh, the one account with the personal account with no social, and then the, I have two other accounts with the bank, both for the ministry. And um, they're functioning just fine with no trouble. And then I, I set one up with Chase a few years ago, and it took a while because, you know, I was trying to get him to do it just the EIN, but the, I had had a mortgage loan with them years ago, and their system found a Social Security number. And I said, nope, that's not mine. Get rid of it. Take it out. And they said, okay, no problem. They finally got it straightened out, and then when they went to print the paperwork for me to sign, I looked, and sure, there's that stupid number again. I said, get this number off of here. <laughs> It took them a while, but they did it, and uh, I didn't really use that account, and it just got, everything I got put in got eaten up in service fees, so I let it close, but, um, you know, I had it, and it worked. But, you know, it's, it depends on where you're at and which bank you're at and all that kind of stuff, too. Um, I would look for some that are the least restrictive, if, if it's even possible in this day and age. Credit unions well, might be a little What about easier. a credit union, yeah. Might be. Or a small neighborhood bank, if you can still find one of those. But, uh, you know, it's a crapshoot, you know, luck of the draw, so to speak. Never know for sure what you're going to get. It's like a box of uh, COVID injections. Mama says, my <laughs> life is like a box of COVID-19 injections. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and when all the dead people came from five lots... <laughs> Or 5% of the lots out there, I guess. That's pretty wild. But anyway, uh, let's see here. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Raps achieve top spots in iTunes charts. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Where is this thing? I got to play this. Uh, hey, everybody. Before you play that. Yeah, go ahead. I must be on the dark side of the moon or something. I didn't get What's the Brandon bit? Who is that? Is that some guy that did this? Did something? No, what what happened was, um, you know, the, all the sporting events were going F Joe Biden. And yeah. somebody, I don't know what they did, you know, either they were hard of hearing or they were playing around or whatnot, but F Joe we're, Biden sounds yeah, kind of like, let's go, Brandon. Right now, I'm going to check the roaster right now. This is a... Okay. Who's yeah, that? Yeah, it's that. So if you want... You can give me another board after. Okay, just muting you <laughs> so we don't have that in the background. Um, but that's where that came from. Somebody just got the impression that it sounded like "Let's Go Brandon," and that's how it switched over. Which you know, I think it was the media, Jimmy. Yeah, pretty it was sure it was somebody sports. from the media that did it. Just to, they knew what they were saying. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't an accident, but they yeah they co-opted that. So yeah, which you know it backfired on them. Say, uh let's go brandon so everybody knows what it means oh yeah and that's the thing you know i just i post a meme of my thing where these uh two kids were trick-or-treating and the lady at the door says uh no vaccines no candy and the one kid looks at the other and says let's go brandon <laughs> you know? so it's it's showing up everywhere and that's basically what it boiled down to is somebody tried to cover it up and it ended up backfiring on them because now everybody's doing it and uh, that's what this is so I'm going this is all of what uh, a minute and a 30 seconds here we go L G B
Let's go, Brandon. No, LGB. Sounds like let's go, Brandon. I guess LGB. All right, let's go, Brandon. I am Cornelio. Chant LGB. Right wing and left wing. LGB. Go, oh, you know the thing. LGB. If you don't sing, that black. LGB. And you play black. LGB. Let's go, Brandon. LGB. Let's go, Brandon. LGB. Let's go, Brandon. FJB. Let's go, Brandon. I'm Joe Biden, and I forgot this message. Anyway, <laughs> it's a little levity. That was great, Jimmy. <laughs> I, I'm I Joe Biden, things. and I forgot this message. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> It's fun. It's more fun to watch the video because it starts out with Trump doing it, and then you've got Biden and Camelto and all the rest. But <laughs> it's a hoot. And I get these things sent to me. I said, "Oh yeah, got to extract the video and put it on the show." Uh, just when we need a laugh, you know. But, um, whew, good grief! Where are we here? Uh, Jethro the Wonder Dog was up here earlier looking like he might need to go outside. He hasn't been out since early this morning. He, <laughs> that dog has a cast iron bladder. Um, but uh, well, he must have gone over and hopped on the bed waiting for me. Anyway, doctors and COVID-19 injection injured testify in Washington, D.C. to crimes against humanity. CDC, or the COVID death cult, FDA, the Federal Death Administration, NIH, I have to come up with a name for them. <laughs> Fauci are no-shows. Imagine that. Let me see if I think they had a video here. Let's see if we can get a little bit of a replay. Uh, also invited... Dr. Rochelle Walensky of the COVID death cult, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttgiger, uh, FDA Acting Commissioner Janet Woodcock, HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra, NAI, NAI. What? <laughs> Say what? <laughs> Pete what? Pete Buttgiger. Buttgiger. Buttigieg. <laughs> Yeah, butt gigger. That's what I said. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious! How, how do you how do you get? Thing is, booty gig there, Jimmy. Booty gig. No, I call it. That's what I said. Butt gigger. <laughs> anyway. Senator Ron Johnson, there's no need for COVID injection mandates. Oh, this is, uh, let's see, who's this below here? Diane Bresnan. feel like I'm, oh, 
Let's start with Senator Johnson, then we're going to move to Diane. This will be interesting. Although, no, let's You're do... Welcome. He is his 12 minutes. We'll switch to hers. It's probably not that long. Six. Thank you, Senator Johnson. And it is truly an honor to be able to sit here with you and for you to... It's just been incredible to see how you've dedicated yourself, you know, amongst against all the odds and the pressure to back away from the truth and to silence us like everybody else. And so we really, really appreciate you being willing to stand with us and fight with us. So my name is Brianne Dressen, and most of you have never heard of me and most likely have never heard of most of us here. Um, we're just everyday Americans. We are Republicans, we're Democrats, Libertarians, Independents. For us, this is not political. This is a human issue. We're here to tell our stories, ones largely ignored and silenced, and we hope that you listen, and we hope that you ask questions. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm a, I'm a preschool teacher. Um, I suffered a life-altering reaction to my COVID vaccine on November 4th, 2020, almost a year ago to this day. I suffered a cascade of neurological systems that persisted for months. And while my life has improved, I still feel like I'm being electrocuted 24 seven. For the first several months, I was totally alone I kept my symptoms and my story completely to myself. I thought that this was an isolated incident. But in the spring, I started finding more and more like me. And before we knew it, there were thousands of us, all of us unable to receive medical care, recognition, either from the drug companies, the CDC, the FDA. We all suffered the same constellation of symptoms which is very strange. It's a brand new disease. Nobody knew anything about this. We had it happen with all of the brands. Over 70% of us had had no previous existing health condition. Over 94% of us have not had any problem with any previous vaccine. 98% of us have had all of our previous vaccines the vast majority of us, even having our flu vaccines, we are not anti-vax. Also, because the CDC and FDA continued to ignore our pleas, our, beg our begging, we decided we needed to act because we started to see this happen to kids like Maddie. So from our sick beds, we sprang into action we reached out to our elected representatives, both blue and red. We reached out to the COVID committee. We reached out to all of the representatives on the health and education committee. If you have an elected representative in your state, they have heard from us. We also have been to the NIH. I myself was one of those lucky few to be able to go. We participated in studies across the country with very well-accomplished academics from well, um, from reputable uh, research institutions. None of them can get their research published. They go journal 
after journal after journal, being turned down one after the next after the next. We then reached out to the media, being repeatedly told that we can't make the vaccines look bad. We reached out to our major health organizations like the AMA. We reached out to our state health boards, our state health departments, all of them persisting in the narrative that if this was really happening, the CDC and the FDA would have said so. We are completely on our own. All we have is each other. We've been branded as anti-vax. Misinformation. 24 hours after Senator Johnson hosted our last conference, we had our Facebook support groups pulled apart. I lost contact with eight actively suicidal people just like that. So, after months of isolation, aggressive suppression, we began to connect with others, compassionate and concerned citizens, academics, physicians. They see the harms and they see what is happening to the injured and the lack of transparency in the race to vaccinate the world. We need the CDC to acknowledge us a very simple act would change everything for the sick and suffering. We also need to just begin the conversation. This will lead to real healing for the injured, for appropriate and objective review of the science, to establish an environment for open dialogue, so ultimately we will be able to make rational and fully informed policies and decisions. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to turn the time over to Dr. Wastella. I'm going to skip down. There was another one here. Cody Flint was a commercial pilot from Cleveland, and I think it's Mississippi. Accumulated 10,000 hours of flight time, was diagnosed with left and right perilymphatic fistula, eustachian tube dysfunction, and elevated intracranial pressure following Pfizer, or Pfizer's COVID-19 jab. And... His situation was pretty interesting. Check this out. Good morning, and thank you, Senator Johnson, for this opportunity. My name is Cody Flint. I am a 33-year-old husband and a father of two young boys. I'm an agricultural pilot by profession with over 10,000 total flight hours. I have been very healthy my whole life with no underlying conditions. I received my first dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine on February 1st. Within 30 minutes, I developed a severe stabbing headache that later became a burning sensation in the back of my neck. Two days after vaccination, I got, my got in my airplane to do a job that would take only a few hours. Immediately after taking off, I knew something was not right with me. I was starting to develop tunnel vision and my headache was getting worse. Approximately two hours into my flying, I pulled my airplane up to turn around and felt an extreme burst of pressure in my ears. Instantly, I was nearly blacked out, dizzy, disoriented, nauseous, and shaking uncontrollably. By the grace of God, I was able to land my plane without incident, although I do not remember doing this. My initial diagnosis of vertigo and a severe panic attack, although I've never had a history of either of these, was later replaced with left and right paralymphatic fistulas, eustachian tube dysfunction, 
and elevated intracranial pressure due to brain swelling. My condition continu continued to decline, and my doctors told me only an adverse reaction to the vaccine or a major head trauma could have caused this much spontaneous damage. I've had six spinal taps over eight months to monitor my intracranial pressure and two surgeries eight weeks apart to repair the fistulas. I have missed nearly an entire year of my life and part of my children's lives. Days of baseball games, playing in the backyard, and just picking up my kids to hug them have been replaced with being trapped in a sick body, doctor visits, invasive procedures, and more questions than answers. I don't know if I'll ever be able to fly an airplane again. This vaccine has taken my career from me and the future I have worked so hard to build. I have used all of my savings to pay medical bills and just to be able to survive. My family and I are on the verge of losing everything we have. I was and still am pro-science and pro-vaccine. The main issue rests squarely on the fact that the FDA, CDC, and NIH refuse to acknowledge that real lives are being absolutely destroyed by this vaccine. The federal government has yet to help a single one of the vaccine injured. It was my understanding that the federal government accepted the responsibility of helping people injured by this vaccine, considering they gave the vaccine manufacturers full legal immunity from people like me. The government has left us nowhere to turn for help. My family and I masked up, stayed indoors, and dodged COVID for over a year. We did what was asked of us by being part of the solution. That solution has taken everything from me and my family. We have been ignored and silenced. It is not right and it needs to stop now. It is time for the federal government to do its part by acknowledging us and helping us. Does anyone really think it's fair to make the vaccine injured wait years for help? I think we can all agree that refusing and or delaying the help we need is unconscionable. We urgently need this help. Thank you. Pretty freaking disgusting. What is a fistula? Good question. Let's see if we can find out. It's a little cut or a tear. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like a little kind of incision or something like that. Um, what is a fistula? Types, causes, and treatment explained. A <laughs> uh, fistula is an abnormal connection or passageway that connects two organs or vessels that do not usually connect. Hmm. And the, whoa, what is that? I hate these stupid pop-ups. Right in the middle of something on the whole screen is eaten up by these things. They can develop anywhere between an, uh, an intestine and the skin, between the vagina and the rectum, and other places. Most common location of a fistula is around the anus. Hmm. What fun. I bet there's a lot of those in Congress. Congressional fistulas. <laughs> They have their their connection is between the uh, rectum and the cranium. Uh, it saves them from having a rectal cranial uh, inversion. So this poor bastard has spent his life savings in a messed up body. He's thirty five years old, but he still believes in vaccines. Really? You know that's the sad thing. You know, I I keep hearing all these people that you know, and I I can understand from this. You know, they're ignorant. They basically have followed the party line. They believe the programming their entire lives. They did what was asked of them, thinking that, oh, these people would never say anything bad or do anything wrong or anything to hurt me. 
And uh, now they're learning for the first time in their lives that, well, maybe I was wrong. And the thing is, is there, there's a certain amount of cognitive dissonance there. They still want to believe in the fake science of vaccines, you know, because they've been a part of it their entire lives. And uh, they're slowly but surely going to wake up, I think. When they, you know, especially if they start doing a little bit more research. You know, hopefully this will lead some of these people to dig a little deeper into the idea of injections in general and how stupid it is. Um, but it's, it's programming is what it boils down to. So, you know, get me I think up he's either a liar or an idiot, and I think he's both because he doesn't want to be called an anti-vaxxer. Well, that's the thing. You know, they don't want that stigma. But at the same time, you know, you have to realize that so-called anti-vaxxers, you know, they're put in a position where we shouldn't believe them just because they're anti-vax. And these people are trying to say, hey, look, you know, I wasn't. I took it because I believed it was the right thing to do, and look what happened to me. You know, and that's there's a, a, a differentiation there. I can understand why they're doing it, because they see what happens to people that come out officially as anti-vaccine. When, in fact, I, I'm proud to say I am 100% pro-science, and as such, it makes me anti-vaccine. I have no choice, because I've looked at the real science behind it, not the fake science, not the voodoo science, the real science. And real science says vaccines are an absolute moronic thing to do. They've never done anything good. They've only hurt, killed, maimed people and increased these things. If we had done, like I said, years long since it started, if we just ignored this thing and gone on about our lives, it would have been a blip in history by now. It would have been over and we would have forgotten about it. The fact that he, you know, was part of the solution by masking up and staying home, that's what they, he still believes that. When in fact, he was part of the problem. Part of the solution would be to ignore what these idiots were saying and get out there and live your life. And it would have been said and done. And, you know, the thing is, is people are so screwed up and, and programmed, they think that being part of the solution is doing everything wrong. <laughs> but, you know, of course, everything wrong is actually right because we're in the biblical end times, which, you know, wrong is right, right is wrong, up is down, down is up, so on and so forth. And they can't, they still haven't seen that yet. And the cognitive dissonance is still there. And they have yet to wake up. They're just, this is going to be the ox goring them, that they're, or their ox getting gored, that's finally going to hopefully cause most of these people to wake up. As time goes on, they'll probably start doing some research. And then, just like all the parents who took their kids to get the MMR shots, because the pediatrician said that was the thing to do, and then their kid ended up autistic, now they're anti-vax. They've actually discovered the real science and the real truth and as such, they have no choice but to be anti-vax because one begets the other. And too many people are not in that position yet, and, but they're starting to slowly wake up. Now, they, they may not be right now, but probably in another six to eight months or so, if they, keep, if they live that long, they will be. And if they don't live that long, they definitely will be <laughs> anti-vax. But anyway... There's another one here, a doc, Lieutenant Colonel Theresa Long, Brigade Surgeon, 1st Aviation Brigade, Fort Rucker, Alabama, U.S. Army. Let's see what she has to say. 
Hello. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, and I'm an Army Aerospace Medicine Specialist. Senator Johnson has invited me here to make a statement to him regarding my opinion about the life-threatening adverse side effects of COVID-19 vaccine. My opinion is formed from my medical education, training, and my firsthand experience treating soldiers injured by the vaccine. My views are my own opinions and do not reflect that of the United States Army, the DOD, or any entity thereof. This statement is made as a protected communication under the Military Whistleblower Protection Act, Title 10 USC 1034. I would like to also disclose that I have no financial interests. I believe the COVID vaccine is a greater threat to soldiers' health and military readiness than the virus itself. Over 200,000 service members have rejected the vaccine, yet the military is pressing forward without regard to the damage to the morale and readiness to process these soldiers out. We have never lost 200,000 soldiers on the battlefield in a few months. Taking soldiers out of uniform has the same impact on readiness as losing them on the battlefield. I enlisted in the Army and completed basic training by the age of 17. I am now a board-certified aerospace medicine specialist with a master's in public health. I have spent the last 30 years serving this great country. I have gone from an almost homeless teenager on welfare to a lieutenant colonel physician in the United States Army. I have truly lived the American dream. Everything I have and everything I am, I owe to Christ alone. I recently had a colleague on social media point out that my career in medicine was not the typical path. She was right. You see, in my first year as an Army physician, I suffered catastrophic complications after the birth of my daughter at the hands of fellow physicians. The impact on my family and my life has been enduring, painful, and life-changing. My plans for my family and my career abruptly pivoted. It was during this time I tried to ensure something good would come out of something very painful. I did what we do in the military. I did an after-action review on what went wrong with my care that resulted in such disastrous outcomes. I attempted to engage all involved and start a dialogue for change. You see, you will not change something if you will not acknowledge it's broken. Yes, it wasn't the traditional path. It isn't the path I planned, but it was the path laid out for such a time as this. In 2018, I had the privilege of attending the Aviation Safety Officer course and mishap investigation training. The course director asked me on the first day, why would a doctor waste time in this course? What are you hoping to get out of this? I responded, sir, we crash three Boeing 747s packed full of patients every day in medicine from medical errors. And I'm here to bring aviation safety to, to military medicine. Yes, across this country, 444,000 patients die every year from medical errors. Last May, I attended the Senior Preventative Medicine Leadership course for the Army. When we're given an opportunity to ask the senior leaders questions, I simply asked, 
So we skipped two years of phase two trials and three years of phase three trials. We only lost 12 active duty soldiers to COVID, yet we're gonna risk the health of the entire fighting force on a vaccine we only had two months of safety data on? The response was, you're damn right, Colonel, and you're gonna get every soldier you can to take the vaccine so I can get enough data points to determine if the vaccine is safe. Our service members are national treasures. They have stared down bullets, been blown up by IEDs and bombs. They have endured thankless and protracted wars, missing the birth of their children. They bore the burden no matter the cost. They did so without respect to political party or narrative. These are warriors, not lab rats. They deserve the best medical care. At the onset of the vaccine rollout, I had a colleague who took the vaccine to protect her elderly parents. She's a brilliant officer and a doctor. She's deployed twice. After the vaccine, she had fever, significant pain, lost all range of motion in her arm for over a week. That was the first time I looked in the vaccine adverse event reporting system to see if her symptoms were common. What I found horrified me. I found the bearers in only a few months into the vaccination campaign already had more deaths um, than in any year for all vaccines combined in each of the 10 years previously. I subsequently went to Fort Benning where I encountered numerous soldiers who told me of threats, coercion, and intimidation to get the vaccine that were at that time still under EUA. This violated me medical ethics, specifically the Nuremberg Code. When I emailed Army Public Health Command and asked about adverse events, the epidemiologist emailed me back and told me that they were not tracking, tracing, or monitoring adverse events. I received an email encouraging military healthcare providers and professionals to get vaccinated, put a sticker on your uniform, post it to social media with the hashtag, the vaccine safe, hashtag get vaccinated. This disturbed me because it seemed as though healthcare professionals were being used as the marketing arm of pharmaceutical companies. Many would say this is just good public health messaging but I would say this is a violation of DODI that prohibits endorsement of a civilian product. Yes, these vaccines are a product. The pharmaceutical companies are not benevolent charities. They are there to make a profit, and they are. In May, I came across a young woman, a collegiate level athlete, training for ranger school. She was everything we wanted in a female warrior. She had a promising career ahead of her. She told me that she was the only female in her ranger school class and the only one not vaccinated. She went on to tell me of the level of harassment and intimidation soldiers were facing for not getting vaccinated. She expressed her concerns about the effects that the vaccine might have on her fertility and health. I walked her through the potential risks and benefits uh, for her age, physical condition, and fitness. I told her, you have everything to lose and nothing to gain. She reached out and sent me this message. The time and pressure got the best of me. I know I met you for a reason, and there were so many signs and so much guidance against getting the vaccine. 
That day I spoke to another mentor who told me the vaccine is the future and leaders make sacrifices, sometimes so they can be there for their people. I went forward with that, feeling like it was going to allow me the opportunity to look out for others. I hate to say how much I regret the decision. It's been a little over two weeks and my body isn't right. I was in such a strong place physically and ready for ranger school, and about a week ago, everything changed. I began hurting, having cramping, back pain, bruising, coughing. I ignored it because I really just wanted to go to ranger school. It's everything I'd ever worked for. I shaved my head and left Sunday to get my tab, and my body shut down on me out there. The five-mile run I've been run a million times beat me. I couldn't get my body to move any faster. I was in pain, not for being out of shape, but for whatever was happening inside my body. I was dropped from the course and went and saw a doctor. I don't know why, but I wanted to reach out to you and tell you how grateful I am, regardless of the fact I failed to see the signs and trust why God brought me to you that day. Thank you for trying to reach me. Thank you for caring about my health more than my job. I wish there was a way to undo what has happened, but I can't. And I just try to move forward and get to a better place. I want to thank you again. I hope you continue to help people who haven't put themselves on the other side. Hearing her disastrous side effects was like looking in the mirror. I saw a promising young officer at the beginning of her military career knocked off her trajectory. It was later on that I reached out to Dr. McCullough, who invited me to be a group of hundreds of doctors, scientists, and mathematicians from around the world looking at early treatment and vaccine safety. One of the things that this female's story highlighted the most for me was that women had unique considerations than men and postmenopausal women. Women with in their childbearing potential have all the eggs they'll ever have from conception until menopause. Their exposure to various chemicals, toxins, drugs, and x-rays can not only affect their health, but that of their children and their ability to have children. I did my research. I found eight out of 10 drugs pulled off the market disproportionately harmed females. Doctors across the country should have been humbled when medical schools taught them the lessons learned from drugs like thalidomide and DES. DES was a synthetic estrogen given to women without problem. They had children, but the daughters of mothers who took DES got to be about 18 to 20 years old, and they developed rare genital cancers and infertility at an alarming rate. It took 40 years for the medical establishment to figure out that DES caused transgenerational infertility and cancers, and this was a drug that went through standard clinical trials. There is no substitute for time, you can throw money at things, you can cut regulations, but there is no substitute for time. In June of 2021, the CDC announced that they were holding an emergency meeting to discuss higher than expected myocarditis in 16 to 24 year olds. Despite this announcement, the military did not even pause their vaccination efforts. Why? I made numerous efforts to get senior medical leaders to, at the very least, inform soldiers of the risk Leadership ignored my concerns. This is very troubling for many reasons. You can't have informed consent if you don't tell your patients of the risks and benefits of a treatment or procedure. With respect to aviation safety, risk communication is critical. 
I saw five patients in clinic, two of which presented with chest pain days to weeks after vaccination and were subsequently diagnosed with pericarditis and worked up to rule out myocarditis. The third pilot had been vaccinated and felt like he was drunk, chronically fatigued within 24 hours after vaccination. The pilot told me he didn't know what to do, so he drank a lot of coffee to try and, quote, wake himself up and continued to fly until he realized it wasn't going away. After I reported to my command, my concerns that in one morning I had to ground three out of three pilots due to vaccine injuries. The next day, my patient, patients were canceled, my charts were pulled for review, and I was told that I would not be seeing acute patients anymore, just healthy pilots there for their flight physical. There's a concept of the 10th man, the loyal dissenter. That's the person that you select to be the dissenting opinion to prevent groupthink. Patients are entitled to a second opinion on their medical care. What happens when bureaucrats mandate that there is no dissenting opinion? In the military, flight surgeons can only make recommendations as to if a pilot is fit to fly or should be grounded. Ultimately, it is the commander taking on the risk and makes the final call to accept or reject a flight surgeon's recommendations. Fellow Americans, you are the ones taking on the risk. My recommendations are that Dr. Felci and the members of the FDA and NIH are unfit to fly this plane. They need to be grounded. Before COVID, I told you medical errors killed the equivalent of three Boeing 747s packed full of patients every day. Medicine is not perfect. Doctors are not perfect. This vaccine is not perfect. Yet we are mandating every single American get on board a single aircraft piloted by bureaucrats and administrators who are unfit to fly the aircraft. They need to be grounded. These are not leaders. These are administrators faithfully implementing policies. There is one narrative that the vaccines are safe and effective, but neither are true. Senator Johnson, I want to thank you for being a loyal dissenter, for doing your job and being a leader. I hope the American people do not, fear do not let fear, division, and threats guide your actions. Seek wisdom, pursue truth, and put your trust in the Lord. Hold the line. Wow. And it goes on. There's more and more and more of the same doctor did another, um, well, actually, no. Ernest Ramirez, father from Austin, Texas, whose only son collapsed playing basketball and passed away from myocarditis following Pfizer injection. Kyle Warner, 29-year-old professional mountain bike racer and two-time national champion from Boise, Idaho, diagnosed with pericarditis and following vaccine injection, now his career is over. Doug Cameron, farm operations manager from Idaho, permanently paralyzed following COVID-19 injection. Susanna Newell, triathlete from St. Paul, Minnesota, diagnosed with autoimmune disease and relying on a walker and cane following injection. Kyla Rodriguez, mother from Tacoma, Washington, relying on a walker, suffering seizures. And it just goes on and on and on. And the thing is, is especially with the military... 
you know, the military are some of the most uh, in, in shape, uh, fit people that we have. And as such, their chances of contracting COVID, let alone having any problems from COVID, are slim to none at best. I mean, minuscule. But as you can see here, these same people, uh, a young lady trying out for ranger school, perfect, you got to be in good shape to, you know, even try out for a ranger, not let alone make it. You got to be in good shape. And look what happens once she gets one of these injections. Goes from being in fantastic shape to barely able, able to walk. That's the difference between the illness and the alleged cure. And all along we've been saying, we can't let the cure be more dangerous and deadly than the illness. Well, guess what? It has. It is. Yeah, without a doubt. And these people that have always been pro-vaccine, you know, you are, in other words, you're admitting to being uh, ignorant Oops. then. You got educated somewhat, but you're still ignorant because you're still pro-vaccine. I don't think that's too smart. You need to rethink your entire position. Robert, what you got? Anything else? Uh, just chiming in with, with probably what you said. I don't know what else there is left to say other than what the good doctor, the colonel from Fort Rucker, said. She pretty much put it as succinctly as one needs to have it put to them. Yeah. And if anyone can listen to that 15-minute diatribe and not get it, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say. You can't figure it out after that. I don't. God bless you. And she was, <laughs> she was, she was there in plain clothes, not wearing uniform, and had to go through all of that stuff to separate herself from the military, saying that she was there under the whistleblower law protection. Uh, you can bet that she is definitely going to catch a world of crap now. Because I'm sure her career's over. Yeah, whistleblower sure protection or not, when you're in the military and you go against what the chain of command wants, they will screw with you relentlessly. You know, that's the thing. You know, when I was in uh, Quantico, we had a guy that, you know, it was a six-week training program, and you had to stay in it through four weeks. After that, you could jump, you could get out if you wanted to. Yeah, it's like after the first four weeks, it's all downhill from here, man. You know, you're coasting. And we had a couple of people that after that first four weeks, they, they opted out. And the Corps made their lives miserable. If there was a crap detail, guess who got it? And they were just constantly screwed with for the following, the rest of the two. They would have been better off just staying in the program. You know, everybody tried to tell them that, but they were just, oh, I'm getting out. I can't stand this. Well, guess what? Careful what you ask for. You just might get it, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire. And that's, that's the military for you. You know, they don't get mad. They get even. Well, they get mad and they get even. And when they outrank you, they can get even pretty, pretty good. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to get crazy. I feel sorry for anybody who's in the military and has to be forced to make that decision. It's bad enough for people in civilian life, but in the military, it is really tough. And, uh, you know, you can't just walk away. If they refuse to discharge you, they're just going to, it's like a cat playing with a mouse before it eats it, you know. We're going to screw with you. <laughs> and... Uh, Kudos to Ron Johnson. Um, he's, he's a good guy. And the fact that he's having these hearings and doing things when nobody else seems to want to do it, 
uh, and he's a physician himself. I'm surprised that the AMA hasn't gone after him. Uh, his state medical board probably is working on trying to pull his license, I would bet. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, and it's going to it's gonna be a pain for him. But thank goodness he's standing up and doing the right thing anyway, and hopefully it'll have some effect. But, you know, one of the big problems is usually congressional hearings signal the death of whatever, you know, issue it is. You know, the, a, you know, the congressional hearings just sweep things under the rug. Nothing ever really good comes out of it. And that's a, a sad shame, too. But anyway, we're pretty much out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. Mike Gaddy's going to be with us. Hopefully we'll have uh, Brad Peoples, too. And we'll be talking about government, what it is, and do we really need it? <laughs> that should be an interesting, interesting uh, show. And then that'll be it for a week. <laughs> and so anyway, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. We will be back tomorrow. Take care and God bless. Everybody have a great day.